Ocean FM Donegal Plumbing and Heating Old Lahey Road Donegal Town Suppliers of underfloor heating packages Aluminium radiators Samson and Daikin Air to water heat pumps And all your renewable needs And sponsors of the Donegal GAA Podcast It's just fabulous to see me live and up and picking her up The thing about the club is you don't choose your club um, it's, it's like family. You want to get back out on the field. It's just uh, it's, it's in your blood, I suppose. And you just want to get out there now and get the games going again. Brian Murray, let me shake hands with you. You come in here hobbling. How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I tell you nothing about a couple of pints, won't you? I'll tell you. You know. He gets a bit behind it. He launches it in. It's over the bar. The wee man from Chester. Welcome to the Donegal GA podcast here on Ocean FM. Connor Breslin here. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Simply search Ocean FM Ireland. Coming up on the show, I'll be speaking to Footballer of the Year Neve McLaughlin on her extraordinary year for Donegal after winning the LGFA Footballer of the Year for 2022. But first, to preview Dunlow's intermediate semi-final this weekend. I am in the company of Michael McMullen from Gaelic Life. Michael, how are you keeping today? Keeping great, Connor. And um and just a just a wee introduction. It's just a, it's it was a brilliant achievement for Neve to get her player of the year. I spoke to her the other day and I think it was just fantastic that she got it from the point of view as Donegal didn't even reach the final. I think that shows the magnitude of her performances, and um, and it's just she's a great example for for female sport and a great example for sport in general. And, and long may it continue. Absolutely. What what was it like to to speak to her? She's an absolute legend, I suppose, in terms of Donegal sport and the transition from soccer to GAA and, and dominating in both in both sports as well. What was it like to speak to her? What did you talk to her about? Just about you know. I, I I saw the coverage over the weekend where she mentioned that she was shocked, but you know I had spoke to her maybe three days later, and you know it still hadn't sank in. But for somebody who has played at such a high level, um, she was just so so down to earth, and she spoke about how much it meant to her family. But um, I did, I just thought it was fantastic, and I think what probably made it even more special was it was voted by the people she played with and against. But um, no, congratulations, Neve, and an excellent career so far. Yes, absolutely. And again, as I said, I'll be speaking to Neve later on the show. But first, this Sunday in Celtic Park at four o'clock, Dunlow will take on Galbally. And Michael, you'll be on commentary for that. So you will for Ulster GAA. Uh, Dunlow were carrying the flag, I suppose, for the for Donegal and Ulster so far. It's their first appearance in the competition this Sunday, and you've been doing your research on the match. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, I didn't actually. I was sort of surprised, Connor, that that's you know their first time in Ulster because I suppose somebody outside the county you just associate Dunlow with. I suppose all the county players would have played in the past and and, and things like that, but. Um, um, and I sat down last night to watch her game with Dunloy, and um, to be honest, it was very, very tight. Like, it, with 10 minutes to go, I made it that 
Dunlow were seven six up and Deloy went down to first 14 men and then 13 men and then they just hit them with a blitz towards the end but um, you always get the feeling from watching it that they were comfortable on the ball like they haven't conceded a goal in over 300 minutes of football um, as far back as Malin you know so they've obviously got a, a, a solid you know setup about them and um, I suppose it's always false when you're watching the game and you know the result of it as well but um, uh, they, they struggled for a while 6-3 down at half time and and they probably had a very strong uh, third quarter without actually making it count until until later on. But they looked like a, a well-balanced side, and the side that don't seem to panic. And calm, really, I suppose, is key. I mean, 6-3 down at half time, and if you speak to any of the players or the management team, they said that they never lost their cool in the dressing room. They always knew what they were doing was right. And I think it was Dylan Sweeney's point at the start of the second half that just steadied the ship. And then they just went out and, and really, really took control of the game and ran out one eleven to seven point winners. Mm. Um, you know, the I wouldn't be too sure of the age profile of their team, to be honest, but they look like a team that obviously had been playing together, you know, for, for quite a while. And um wasn't it they lost the final last year, so they're yeah. back again. And I know from a club point of view, you know, they put in a big fundraising drive, they're selling tickets around this part of the world. Um, nearly every time you see Tony Boyle's Twitter feed, you know, there's something to do with one of his daughters involved in Diddy's football success. So the club seems to be on a high and you can only imagine the buzz it would be whenever they get over the line this year. And I know it's a cliche and they always say every county championship is the same thing, Connor. We're into Ulster, it's the unknown, it's bonus territory, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, here they are and they're going into Celtic Park and they're 60 months away from Ulster finally, and I'm sure they're buzzing about it, and if they're not, they should be. They've come such a long way, Michael, because in terms of when they were in senior football, I can only talk from, I remember them being in senior football, and they were just that team amongst many other teams in, in Donegal that kind of struggle in, in senior football, my, my, my own as well, for, for a long time as well. They seem to be a team that, just aren't quite up for senior football and have been struggling year after year to try and just survive in the competition and fight in relegation battles. And then on the opposite side, when they did fall to intermediate, I was talking to Manus Boyle, who was involved with Dunlow last year. He says there was just a huge togetherness about them because obviously when you're winning games, you get players back, you're winning trophies, you're getting into finals, you're getting media coverage. And now they're on the road for, for an Ulster Championship. Intermediate, albeit, still an Ulster Championship. And I think many people would uh, chop your arm off for one of them. You know, um, you said it there, um, just just in your, your question there, Like it doesn't matter what level you're at. Whenever you get out of your county, there's a championship there. People get on the bandwagon. Supporters get flags out, and that's your team. That's your team for that winter, and you're just you're just urging them on, like like a, like it was a quite a journey, like a hustle where the game was. Even from where I live in Derry, it's not a handy place to find. I can only imagine how the low people found it. An excellent setup, you know, really good club. But if you're going into Ulster for the first time and you're not going to a venue you're used to, it's definitely difficult. And correct me if I'm wrong, do they have something like an eight-week layoff, maybe since their county final or something like yeah, that? Yeah, roughly. In roughly that region. Enough. So you can understand how they would be rusty. But they did get the first two points, and then Deloy would have 
probably there was at least ten players who play in their hurling team who were playing together, and they were very sharp in the first half, and probably were deserving enough to be to be ahead. Like Danny Rogers, like I think he played in Donegal's All Ireland minor team in, 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 in twenty fourteen, yeah, and excellent goalkeeper as well, and had a period with the under twenty ones as well. And, and I could be wrong here, but I think was up with their um, senior training panel in the county as well one time. I would well believe it, and I was involved with Derry Miners in fifteen, and he was their goalkeeper, and you know his kickouts were very varied. Um, you know he went down the left a good few times, got success. Then the law started to, you know, fill the middle, and he had to just you know put them out long, and they were able to win most of them, but found themselves six three down. But as we as we alluded to, they didn't panic. But I think a massive factor is like um, Oshin Bonner, I think, turned an ankle or damaged an ankle in the yeah. Tuesday before it. And if you're going on Ulster for the first time, you know, like out of his five nineteen, I think only four came from freeze. If my research is is right across just a few Donegal media outlets from games, but you're going into a game without him, and to come through, let's say I know they had, were against thirteen men, but they came through comfortably. You know that has to bring confidence, knowing that you have a group of players that don't panic when their star forward's not there. Like five fifteen from play, you don't just you don't gather that up very handy. So that's a big miss. I'm sure they'll want him back this week. They said after the game, uh, a wee piece that on Highland, they they sort of hoped he'd be back, but an ankle. And a short time frame, it's not easy, but um, whenever you're going in against a team like Galbally, they'll definitely need him. And I suppose there'll be the rosary beads will be out in the holy water and whatever whatever ice baths or whatever type of recovery they can do to, to make sure Oshin's available for selection. Yeah, and, and it is a, a young team. I, I just know when we speak of Dunlow, the, the one that kind of jumps into our head is obviously Tony Boyle, great Tony Boyle. But I don't think Dunlow, they're, they're a young team. They they don't really have um, a star starting county player. So it's really a togetherness and, and who they can get to play and can't afford to get these injuries because they don't really have one of them experienced old heads that can gui- guide them through the dirt when the going gets tough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know Ryan. You know Ryan Brennan came in, but I think it was it was after half time. I think I'm not sure when he came on exactly, Sean Mee, but he came on and he had a bit of pace about him. And yeah. it was Dara Gallagher's ball over the top that opened up the goal, and he took it really well. Um, well, as I say, that was never deny had we're down to thirteen, so there, there were more gaps. But early in the game, like Dara Gallagher was running at them, and then whenever that didn't work, then they just seemed to play. You know, keep ball. Jared Walsh seemed to be, I don't know whether it was the noise ploy to pull one of their men out. Jared Walsh was out a lot of the time, but, you know, he never wasted a ball and they were able to keep it. And um, I suppose, as I said earlier, with the noise having so many lads played in the Ireland team, they know what it's like to play together and they, they are a dangerous unit. Um, you know, and I suppose it was up to the know to make sure that they kept it tight. Um, and then when they were 6 3 down at half time, it meant they could settle a thing down and go again. What do we know about the Tyrone champions? I mean, Galbally, they, they defeated the Derry champions, so they did on a scoreline of 7-12 to one eleven. I mean, that's a serious victory, so it is. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Galbally have been here before in 2019, so they have in the Ulster Intermediate. 
and they overcame St. Nauls, my neighbouring club. So they have experience. And we talk about Dunlow not conceding goals. Their defence is really going to be ha- have to be on it the next day if they want to keep out that unit that scored 7-12 the last day. Yes, I was at that game. Um, 7-12, it probably wasn't... It was It was definitely a reflection on how well Galway played. But by that stage, like Clonone had a goal chance um, early into the early into the second half and they hit the post and I think it might have taken down to maybe I think it was maybe like four or five points I can't remember the exact value but and uh, Galbley went up and hit the net and that was probably effectively game over then for a while you know Galbley had a lot of chances under no pressure because you know Clonone were, were, were overran but I would have to say that Galbally's running power through the middle, even fullback Connor Quinn was just storming through the middle, you know, and uh, that you know they were. I think they have they've they've had they've won four penalties in the last four games, and Connor Donaghy has scored all four, but they just have so much running power through the middle. Like Liam Rafferty has scored three two, and in the last couple of games he seems to be playing as a sort of a sweeper defensive midfielder type player and he's got he's got their own experience so they definitely are very they're they're an excellent team like Ronan Nugent has scored three goals and the goal he scored against Planone was like top drawer like it was you know top corner you know just an excellent finish but if Dunlou are going to uh, do the business they can't afford to sit back because you'll just invite Galbally onto them that's why it's would be so important that Oshin's back fit Oshin Bonner because it means then obviously you're going to have to occupy their defence um, when you're against a good team and you sit back. That's only good if the other team doesn't hurt you. But um, but by the looks of it, like Galway have 18 goals and five championship games, albeit seven came against Glenolm. But you know they had a they had a fairly comfortable you know thrown championship. To an extent, I think their big game was beating Pomeroy. Them and Pomeroy in the first round, Gavin Devon was was managing Pomeroy, and Paddy Crozier and Joe McMahon were involved in Galbally and probably, you know, would have been two of the the form teams. Then they go to a final, and they beat Edinburgh. You know, Darren McCurry, yeah, and Niall Morgan, Con Con Kilpatrick, you know, Patrick, yeah, and beat them. You know, beat them by a point, so they know how to win tight games, and they know how to win games against quality sides. So they definitely, um, they definitely will be a serious, serious, uh, you know, you know, it's a serious team for um, them to play against on Sunday. But you know, as I said, you you have to sometimes playing safe is not the way forward. You're going to have to go at them to ask questions, especially when when running games a threat. Daniel Kerr and Connor Donahue are the two men that they're going to have to probably tie up and, and limit the space they have on the ball because a lot of the scores come through them. 2-5 the last day, am I correct in saying Daniel Kerr got? Uh, yeah, 4-11 altogether and Connor Donahue 5-24, but four of those goals coming from the penalty spot. And I'm sure Danny Rogers will be trying to find whatever footage he can of those four penalties to try and size him. You know, we not want to give up his clean sheet, so... He'd be trying to work out, you know, what side he goes to, and is there a particular, you know, way he stands, Connor stands when he takes a penalty, you know, and things like that. But that's all the homework that there is in the game now, and um, you know, that's that's the level you have to go to go to when you're whenever you're into Ulster against teams that you wouldn't ordinarily have played before. 
and that's the excitement, isn't it, of Ulster? I mean, it's it's really the we've spoke about this two three weeks ago. It's the unknown of not knowing what it's like to play these teams, and you can look at all the footage you want, but sometimes it can give you a false sense of what the opposition can be like. I mean, we do look that obviously this team is a real goal scoring threat with seven goals the last day. But then when you talk to people and read the reports, it's saying that the opposition gave them far too much space and Dunlow, we know, possibly won't do that because they're a really tight-knit defensive team. <laughs> no, that, that's it. Um, and I think it's probably, you know, uh, I would love to have saw what way the game had panned out had Dunlow took that goal chance because you know yourself, when you come out after half-time and there's a wee bit of momentum with you and you get a goal, games can change. But Galbally, you know, were the better team and would have been favourites. But as you said, if the low are trying to shut up that space, you know, because they can't afford to have Kerr and Donaghy just getting ball and kicking on challenge, there's going to need to be pressure. Um, but they always obviously have to be aware of it, as I early, you know, said earlier, of that running game. So that's where the likes of, you know, their their attack, you know, Foshin's on and uh they're just going to have to because I noticed the last day they seemed to play with I think it was uh, they always seemed to have two up they always seemed to have two up you know uh, Aaron Ward seemed to play out around the middle quite a bit um, so you know Dara Gallagher was running at them they're going to have to do that He, you know he's probably the man that's going to have to occupy Liam Rafferty because he can't afford Liam Rafferty to be running the game so you know it's a game of you know hammer the hammer and getting your key players on the ball. You know, that's, that's what you're going to have to do. Absolutely. And final question, Michael, you have all the uh, research and stats done on the game. And as I said, Michael will be on co-commentary for Ulster GAA this Sunday. Who do you think is going to win, Michael? Um, I did say when Galbley beat Lenoln and the manner they played him, that they would take a very, very good team to beat them. And, uh, you know, they were in the final in 19, I think, and uh, they'll be looking to right that wrong. But uh, I, th- I see Galbally going on as favourites. Um, they've already had a run out in Celtic Park before. And how much of a difference that makes, I don't know. Um, Paddy Crozier, former dairy manager, a, not a great manager for doing his homework. Um, I, I believe he was in a huddle watching the game, so... He will know exactly what he's going to face, um, but I wouldn't. I, I, it's definitely, it's definitely not a gimme. I'd make Galbally favourites, but based on the way the low play, the way they don't panic, um, they definitely have a puncher's chance. But you know, I'm sure they'll be putting a lot of emphasis on getting Oshin Bonner uh, available to to be in from the start. Absolutely, and as I said, Dunlow will take on Galbally in Celtic Park this Sunday at four o'clock. Before that, we have another Donegal team in an Ulster Junior Hurland final. Michael will also be on commentary for that. Just a quick point on them. Satanta will take on Shane O'Neill's in Celtic Park at 1.45 in the Ulster Junior Hurland final. And Michael, you've been following Satanta, I suppose, quite regularly as well, doing your research on them. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I know that Unions came out of the out of the county last year, and you know Satanta bounced back to get their title. And uh, you know you look down at some of the scores they put up during the championship. You know one twenty in the final and four nineteen in the semi final, and uh, they had a really tough game with Owen Rowe of Dungannon. You know uh, coming through very early, obviously um, Owen Rowe, unfortunately without the great Damien Casey, 
you know, and what a hurler he was. But, you know, Satanta came through that tight game. And then they saw off Mamaya from Derry in the last game, who were very, very impressive in their first round. So uh, they'll be hoping to get a, a winning run going. You know, Declan Coulter, uh, former Armagh player, like an excellent, like 14 points or something, I think he scored the last day. So any team with that sort of return. Um, I always remember watching Donegal playing and Davin Flynn. I think he played underage hurling for Tipperary and he's in their ranks. So um, those are a couple of players that that that, uh, that they'll be looking to. Shane O'Neill's, um, they won Antrim comfortably. Like, you know, they'd won in margins. 12 points, 7 points, 8 points. They beat Carrick McCross by 22 points the last day. Sean Tracy's by 11. So they're very high scoring. You know, they've, you know, and a lot of uh, goals in a lot of cases. Um, not sure how this one will go, to be honest, because, you know, they maybe haven't met each other. You have nothing really to go on. But um, Satanta have got form in the competition. I think they won it in 17, if I'm right. I think they, they won it back then and made it. Pl- might have beaten Amaya from Derry in the final. So um, all to play for. And probably, the only goal listeners won't be happy at this stage, but you're probably looking at Shane O'Neill's on the fact that if you've got a team that's that's free scoring, they're very hard to reel in. So, um, but I can't see there being much in it, to be honest. Absolutely. And we're going to have to wait and see. My thanks as always to Michael McMullen for coming on the podcast. I will just say every time Michael does come on the podcast or has come on the podcast in 2022, it hasn't always worked out for Donegal teams. We only had him on two weeks ago and then the following week, Michael Murphy decided to hang up his boots. I think uh, the county of Donegal are just about getting over it, Michael. Maybe it might be a bit of a relief for the rest of Ulster, but uh, we'll let you have your say and ode to Michael Murphy maybe a wee bit. What a player. Um, I think I, I read Alan Foley's piece, I think 177 appearances for Donegal. Yeah, brilliant. Um, 77 of those in the Championship. Like That's unbelievable longevity. Um, I think the most relieved people in the game will be the goalkeepers and fullbacks at Ulster. Because um, I'm probably disappointed the fact he's retired because you love the best players playing. Um, there's a there's an element that you, if you're a Donegal man, you'd love to see him stand on the edge of the square for another couple of seasons. If you think back to that Cavan game when Conor O'Donnell got his goal, how did it come about? Murphy standing on top of Raymond Galligan, so um, he's definitely a threat and. Uh, Definitely a huge loss to Donegal, um, especially you know new management coming in. So uh, and, and even any Donegal people I've spoke to recently, it's nearly like awake. Do you know? Oh no, Michael's gone. He's he's retired. Um, and from from an outsider looking in, I've never spoke to Michael. I've never met him before. But an unbelievable player in every way. Um, played it hard. Was able to play around midfield. Was it that goal against Mayo? That's how I remember him. You know, that ball, boom, back of the net. Um, Ray Boyne had one where he scored one for Glen Swilly. I was talking to Garrick McDeed over the weekend. He reckons that, you know, there'll be loads of people going to Glen Swilly games now because Murphy will always be playing. He met a guy in Balabuffet from County Louth coming up to watch a Donegal Championship match. I says, why are you here? He says, Murphy, I'm here to watch Murphy. So two ways of looking at it. It's a, it's, I was shocked that he retired. I think he's got more to offer. But at the same time, 
you're either you're in or you're out. And he did say that he's all duck or no dinner, so you can understand that. And the other side of it, Connor, is how many players play on too long. Yeah, you know, he's left now where people want more. You know, maybe on another three or four years, and maybe the form dipped, and you know that's the Michael Murphy you might remember. You know, sometimes it's better to leave the party whenever the party's going well, so you remember it. Um, uh, Michael Murphy, uh, the best Donegal player ever, probably uh, a once in a generation player. I'd say once in a lifetime type player, and I'm just glad I got the chance to watch him play. Absolutely. Thanks for those words, Michael. And thanks for coming on the podcast today. As always, we really, really appreciate it. So we do. So thank you, Michael. Up next on the podcast, a very special guest, the LGFA Footballer of the Year for 2022, Neve McLaughlin. Neve, you're very welcome to the podcast and a huge congratulations to you. How's the past number of days been? Thanks very much, Connor. Um, yeah, good. Wee bit of a whirlwind, to be honest. Um, I think I'm just starting to to get back to normal now this last day or so. But uh, no, look, we had a great weekend and uh, that was a really it was a really special night. So we enjoyed ourselves. Talk to talk to us about the night in in Dublin. How how did it get get on? Traveling down, getting ready, and then the unexpected maybe announcement of the Player of the Year was it? Yeah, good. Um, we went we went down. Yeah, we traveled down on the the Saturday during the day and. Got down there in the evening, got ourselves ready. Um, a few interviews and stuff beforehand, and yeah, then we had the dinner. Um, I'd say they did, they did a hard time trying to get everyone gathered into the main room for the dinner. Now there was a drinks reception on before. Um, so look, just loads of mixing with with the girls. Obviously, we would a good crowd down for Donegal, and then obviously the other teams too. Um, it was late enough then by the time they they kind of were announcing the team, and ugh, look, it was um. We were hopeful we we might get a might get a few in Donegal. Um, look, the the category I was in was was tight enough. You know the players that were in, and look, even with the the, the player of the year nomination, um, you never know with these things. And um, no, look, I was I was really really taken back by both. Um, a night of first for me. Um, and yeah, look, the the player of the year thing was just completely unexpected. Um, whatever about everything else, you know. Um. So now, look, just feeling really special. I'm really grateful, you know, about it all. What, was there any inkling at all, or was it completely out of the blue? Were you confident in any sense, or get any inkling that you might receive this award? No, not at all. Look, the nomination itself was was pretty crazy. I'm still trying to sort of gather that. Um, I think the fact that it's it's voted for by by the players um, just makes it it makes it a lot more special. Um, Look, the two girls that I was up against, Emma and Louise, yeah. can't really speak highly enough of, of the two girls. Um, Louise's class, I uh, know she's she's got the nickname like the Gooch, um, just from Brown and Kerry too. And uh, look, she's she's brilliant. She has been a brilliant player this last you know ten years or however long she's going. Emma, obviously not around as, as often, and she's I don't think we've seen the best of her yet, unfortunately. But um, no, look, it was just completely unexpected, and it's nothing that I have ever ever kind of thought of or, or dreamt about. So. Just completely taken back in shock whenever whenever it was announced. And then huge celebrations after and into the early hours of the morning and many congratulations. I say the phone hasn't stopped. I know. Look, I had a, it took me a while now to get back all the messages. Look, everyone's just been really lovely. Um everyone just congratulating and sending really nice messages and um, you know, people that I maybe haven't spoke to in a while or people that I've maybe never spoke to as well. And 
oh, look, it's it is it's great, and we had a great night then on on Saturday. Um, it's just you know it's just a wild good crack, and you know there was a good buzz about the place, and just everybody was in good form. And look, I think no matter even with even without the awards or whatever, I think it would have been a great night just to come to come together with people. And uh, yeah, look, we definitely uh, we definitely enjoyed ourselves now. And what about the homecoming after? Because people say that you know. When they win the All Ireland and all, the, the biggest celebration they have and what they look forward to the most is being able to return to their home village or parish or town or whatever. So, what was it like returning home into Donegal? Yeah, look, it was it was lovely. We um we haven't got down to the actual club yet. We um I'm going to there's a wee tournament on next week now. There's just a okay. couple of things I kind of had pre-planned this weekend so um I'll, I'll do that this weekend and then i'll get down to the club next week um and um, we're having a, a bit of a party here on saturday i think my mom's flat out organizing things so uh no look it's really nice and as i said look everyone's just been so lovely and you know you're getting messages and, and people talking to you from all over the place and look you just you're just feeling really grateful and 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 special about it all and um, hopefully now it'll uh it'll push a few a few girls and even young boys around the, the local club and in a show and that on and you know I was, uh, I was I was going to say that I mean you've set the bar so high now you amongst so many others uh, uh, footballers in Donegal have you had time to reflect on your own performance this year and how you've played and how the team has played and what it's meant to you yeah look I suppose from a team perspective, for us, it was, it was a, um, you know, we probably would have been, well, we were disappointed with how the year ended. Um, it was a bit of a, a mixed bag for us, really. We, um, you know, playing in the two finals and then getting to the Ireland semi final, you know, beating Dublin was, was massive for us. And I think, look, at the start of the year, we sort of set out that, um, you know, we were just going to take every game as it came and just try and give our best performance and try and put into practice everything we'd been working on. And um, look for, for myself as well, the girls around you push you on, the training, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, this year for sure has been the best year of training, what we've had in terms of competitiveness and the squad and the players that we have. And, you know, there was just everybody was just, there was just something extra about it this year in terms of, I think that came from the girls themselves being able to push us on and obviously the management and look there wasn't a there wasn't a training session where you know you didn't come out thinking Jesus you know you were wrecked or whatever it is because everyone just give their all for anything we were asked to do and you know everybody just really took the bull by the horns as they said and and just gave it everything and look as I said it was disappointing for us it didn't probably end the way we, we wanted it to um um you know but as I said, I don't think we're too we're too far away. Still a few things to work on, but um, you know, it's just just patching up wee bits here and there, and and hopefully that'll come now in the next in the next wee while. But I think it shows from the performances on the pitch and how successful the team has been, and just how driven this team is, and the levels they have reached. Which maybe once upon a time in Donegal, at both ladies and men's levels might have seemed unimagin unimaginable. Yeah, and I think, look, this last 10 years, you know, we've had our ups and downs. Um, You know, just life, you know, people have different, um, you know, there's different priorities in life and that's fine at different stages of different people's lives. And 
Um, look, we won the All Ireland in in twenty ten, and you know at the time I was only young, but you know it doesn't really get much better than that at the time. Look, it's similar with the boys, and it, you know you, you time swings and roundabouts. Players come and players go, and you have to kind of build your squad. And look, we still have a core group of players that have been there and given a, a massive chunk of their lives to not even not even considering underage, but even just senior inter county, you know playing for us there's been a lot of girls that have done that and you know they're they're still doing that for us and um look those are the girls that that drive it on for us because you know it means so much to represent your county and it re- means so much to represent and play alongside the girls that you have done for so long and then you know the younger girls coming in then too I think it's important for them to see that to see what 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 people who have been around a wee bit longer have given and you know that they get that feeling of belonging and, and wanting to do well and I think that's why the training has been so good because there's been that really good blend um and I think that's why you look that's why we we got to where we where we did get to this year and the, the last couple of years and look as I said it's probably a disappointing for year for us as a team but you know I suppose you have to kind of sit back and, and look at it as well and yeah look we we got to do finals in the All-Ireland semi and you know it's it's not easy to do. Not every team in the country has done that this year. So it's, you know, it's always a wee bit of reflection as well. Looking back and that is nice. But it is a team, this Donegal team and yourself now with the award on top of it, a team that is breaking the mould in how much the game has grown, ladies football, in terms of popularity. And I see it around Donegal. I mean, it is growing exponentially. So it is. It's fantastic to see. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, you know, we talk about the disappointment as the team, I suppose. Pat on on the people around Donegal and especially the young girls. And look, I know this last few years I've seen it take off massively. And, you know, I've been, you know, myself along with a lot of the other girls, you know, we've been playing for the, the senior team, you know, for the last 10, 12, whatever years it is. And just this last few years, it's people are really starting to maybe recognise you and, you know, um, sort of people just taking that that bit more of an interest in it because the visibility of the game has kind of increased massively and you know it's a big credit down to the media and TG Car and I think look even the girls themselves look we do as much work as as any other team and um you know similar to the men you know it's it's an amateur game but you know it's it's professional in the way it's set up and the way we go about our things and um I think people just respect that now and I suppose the more people that are playing and the more people that are involved from different aspects of the county, then you know that's that's great for the team as well. And you want to you want to get all all the corners of the county involved. And look, I think that's something that we we look to do is is try and get that development across everywhere and get gears get gears from all corners of the county involved because that increases the visibility in their own areas and the people become more interested. You get gears staying in the sport longer, and um, you know hopefully that filters through at a at a club first of all, and then a county level after that. I don't want to get too bogged down in it, but even from the outset of 2022, we saw players at all levels looking for better expenses, you know, to be taken care of in, in a better fashion by the GA. And we've seen it throughout the media and we saw the strikes um, that players had with different organisations and not talking to the media, etc. But then when you look at such a successful team like this Donegal ladies team and they they were getting nothing. Yeah, look, um, look, it's it's obviously it's a it's a forefront of the media there. Um, 
do you know, I suppose from from a girl's point of view, like we've never really, you know, we, we don't we don't we never used to expect anything, you know. Um we kind of just we, we got what we were given and look, we were always very lucky at a county level that, you know, whatever management was in place, they did their utmost to to get us as, as much as they could and, you know, they worked for, for equality and, and you know, fairness for us across the squad on and as, as visibility has gone up you know we've been very lucky here in Donegal that we've had a lot of generous sponsors that um you know that that keep us going and keep us tipping over and um I think that's that's always been the way up here um look I think the the expenses thing is you know that's down to kind of like a national level that that that's that something needs to be sorted out for that because um look no matter how generous sponsors are for us you know, girls or girls end up being out, out money, you know, getting to training or whatever it is. But look, as I said, it's we wouldn't have ever, you know, not necessarily we wouldn't have ever complained about that. We would just kind of got on with it because that's sort of the way that it that it always was. And look as as important as it is to be to be looked after and we are looked after well in, in Donegal, as I said, with our, our generous sponsors and our management as well. Um but you don't want you don't want the the kind of stress of of you know, petrol or fuel money or whatever it is, getting to training, not getting home late, you know, girls, your students, you know, their lunches, their dinners, you know, people who maybe aren't in full-time employment or, you know, have other life um, priorities as well. Like football should be there to be enjoyed and it, it shouldn't be kind of like a burden on people, you know. So look, I, I suppose it's, it's um they, they've said they're going to do it now. So I suppose it's just getting, get, getting it up and running. It uh, it's very interesting that you say it. It's just always been the way that it was. But I mean, in twenty twenty two, coming into twenty twenty three, I mean, it is a wee bit ridiculous that the the men scheme is almost prioritised, even though some of the ladies' teams are much more successful. Yeah, well, look, I suppose look, it's it's at the minute it's two separate associations. So, um, look, the men they they bring in more revenue or whatever it is. It's 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 not something that the you know in terms of the gears look we're well aware that it is two separate associations and you know that's it's not necessarily you know because it's it's their association that that sort out that um you know so I suppose it's just finding a bit of a common ground between the two associations that that's going to be important for that um. And look, we, we're we're just we just want to be playing football, and look, just get we we just don't want to be out any any money or whatever it might be. Um, and look, I suppose that's just down to um the associations to kind of get that sorted. And look, Mary McAleese is in there now, so I'm sure she'd be running a tight ship and trying to uh you know get get things going as best we can. And it's not look, it's not something that's going to happen in maybe the next year or two. Like it has to be a process. And um, look, as long as as long as there's progress to be seen and to be made that they are working towards us I think you know I think people will be patient with that but obviously the, the sooner it gets done the better um look as I said you don't want you don't want girls out of pocket coming to training to represent their county and and their teams and you don't want girls having that extra pressure of of that or you know are they going to be able to you know afford their lunch in the evening or is, are they going to use the fuel to get to training or whatever it is because you know not everyone has you know family support or not everyone has um you know they mightn't have time for part-time full-time jobs whatever it is some people have families and children and so you know there, there's there's a whole lot of things around it and, and I think football shouldn't be for us anyway um shouldn't be a burden and it's something that we do because we enjoy it you know you've come 
such a long way, Neve, from uh, maybe a bit like Shea Given causing a bit of out- outrage in the in the northeast, playing for both sides of the the Tyne with Newcastle and and Sunderland, and then while you were studying physiotherapy, you know, and playing soccer, you 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 gave it a go. But since then, um, what was the reason from you know going and giving soccer a go and then? coming back home to Ireland to to play GA? Look, I think I went to Newcastle to study um, because that's just, that's the option that I had at the time. And um, I had just kind of come back from injury at that point. So I wasn't playing, I wasn't actually playing Gaelic at that at that time, really. Um, and look, I just, I wanted to do physio. That's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted my career to be. So that's just the, that's the option that I had. So yeah, I went across and um played played with the university team and then with Newcastle and, and then went over to Sunderland as well. <laughs> um, it's not as uncommon as you as you think it might be, especially not in the in the girls. Um yeah. Sunderland were playing at a higher level then, you know, for sure. And uh look, that's what you, if you want to play at a higher level, you wanna, you know, if you're offered the chance to do that, if, you know, that's that's something that I wanted to do. Like I'd be the kind of person that, you know, I want to try and improve myself and, and sort of compete against you know better players and the best players that you can so i was very lucky to be given that opportunity and did you um, love it over there i love love newcastle for sure i still live the way like it's not too far um but no definitely a great a great place great city and the people there they know they're not too they're not too dissimilar to us here in terms of the crack and you know they wouldn't yeah. take themselves too seriously but definitely love their football like us here as well so and um, no i fitted in well and and had a great team there's not too many players that I know that can come back from, correct me if I'm wrong, three cruciate ligament in, ligament injuries and win yeah. the Footballer of the Year. It's a fantastic yeah. achievement coming back from that. It must have been a very hard time. I know. Um, oh, look, I was very young when when the first when the first two happened. Uh, I was maybe 16, 17. And okay. I suppose at the time I was... Like I was sixteen, but I was probably playing up a couple of age groups in in football for Gaelic, and then I was playing soccer at the time as well. And then it's kind of the age where you're doing your exams, so it was a very busy time and look a very enjoyable time as well. And um, and then the the third time then was further down the line after uni- or sorry, just fin- when I was finishing my masters there at university when I was twenty four. I think I just turned twenty four the day the day after that it happened um yeah look there's definitely some some hard times and I suppose for me at at the time it was just something that I had to do then to to get back playing and it, there was never really an option of, of of not trying to do that and I probably there probably was was times when people would ask me about it and I'd say yeah or they'd ask me about my injuries and I'd say yeah the three cruciates and you could see the shock or the horror on people's faces and you know, there's probably a time where I was a wee bit maybe embarrassed about it, but I suppose, look, it's that's just part of me now, and that's just something that I had to do. It's part of the journey that I was on, and like I've mentioned before, but I was very lucky that I had great people around me and physios and strength and conditioning and family, friends, management, and um, it was never that I never, it, it was never a case that I didn't want to get back playing with the girls and, and the teams, and um, yeah, looking yourself um each time when you can and I suppose when you get a long-term injury like that it's you know you have you can kind of take it as a wee bit of an opportunity as well to work on other things and maybe things that you wouldn't have time to do 
you know, if you were playing and training full time. And um, so look, of course, you, you have your tough times for sure. And it is, it's it's not easy at times and you have your bad days where maybe you might have a whinge or have a wee cry. But uh, because I said, I was, it was never a case that I didn't have the, I didn't have the desire to get back, you know, to the gears because that's something that I always wanted to do. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now the final, I suppose, jump next year into 2023 is to get a few trophies under the belt in Ulster League, All-Ireland, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Is that the aim? Yeah. Look, of course, it's always something that, you, that, that, you know, that's in the back of your mind. And I look, this year we were disappointed, as I said before, and um Look, that's happened us twice now this last two years in Ulster where we had it in our hands and then we we kinda we kinda let it slip away. Um but look, we'll just be we'll be just trying to take it take it one game at a time. We'll try and get a, a good few weeks now in us in the legs before the league starts in January. Um hopefully try and blood a, a few new players again and, and get Gare's experience because you know, as 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 the year goes on and into the end of the league and into the end of the championship, that's where your squad really comes into you know, fruition and um I think it's important to get as many girls um, you know, game time as possible and then, you know, just try and build your squad and your team and just try and improve each week and each game and, and hopefully we'll um hopefully we'll have a better twenty three than uh you know just trying to improve on from, from this year. Absolutely. Well, Neve, we couldn't thank you enough. Um congratulations on the award. Best luck in twenty twenty three and thanks for joining me today on the Donegal GA podcast. Thank you, Connor. Thanks very much. Well, that's the end of the show. My thanks to Michael McMullen from Gaelic Life and to the LGFA Footballer of the Year for 2022, Neve McLaughlin, and to you, our loyal listeners. Myself and Paddy McGill will be back next week, but until then, take care and bye for now. Donegal Plumbing and Heating, Old Lahey Road, Donegal Town. Suppliers of underfloor heating packages, aluminium radiators, Samson and Daikin air-to-water heat pumps and all your renewable needs. And sponsors of the Donegal GAA podcast.